to do this episode i'm not gonna lie i've hit the re-record button like six times now and so i'm just gonna let this one go like i don't care if it's not perfect we're just gonna go into it because i think i'm at the point where i'm going a little bit neurotic um my issue right now is that like i keep running out of breath <laughs> i don't know if you heard but like i keep on having to take big size and it's it's annoying me and it's making me want to start over and over again so we're just going to get it in one go now. With that, I want to just talk about a few things that are going on right now. Like what's going on in my life, my environment, my week this week, and just what's top of mind. So first of all, I would love to talk about what happened earlier today because it startled the fuck out of me. Um, I was basically just sitting at my desk on my computer working on stuff, and it was probably around like 2 p.m., and I'm just sitting here and I like see this guy walking up the stairs next to my apartment and immediately I'm like, okay, this guy looks like, he looks like Joe from that Netflix show, You. And if anyone doesn't know for context, like Joe is a serial killer that like dates a bunch of women and then kills them after he dates them. And so this guy's walking up with like his backpack on his like, just like very boring looking hoodie. I don't know how else to describe it. And he just looks kind of like shady. And I'm just like, oh, he looks like the serial killer actor from you. And I mean, right after that thought, like, and before I know it, he like, he literally walks into my apartment. Um, and I don't know if this is like a normal thing, but a lot of times I leave my apartment unlocked during the day. Just, I don't know. It's like, I just don't rigidly like lock it during the day, which is something I'm never going to do again. But this dude just walks into my apartment and I'm like freaking like startled. I don't even know what to think because I've just never experienced that before. And so I jump up, I run to the door and I'm like, what are you doing? And he says, oh, like I thought there was a tour going on here. And the thing that's weird is that like, I understand I'm in apartments, right? And like, there's people coming and doing tours all the time. And, you know, someone might mistakenly walk into an apartment. I get it. Like that can be an accident that happens. But what was weird about this situation is that when I came up, obviously like super startled, running to the door, trying to close it, he kept on pushing his way in. And that's when I fucking screamed and was like, get the fuck out of here. And he left. Um, well, he left outside the door. I locked the door. I closed the blinds. I peeked outside the blinds and he was still standing there for like five minutes. And then he tried to get in two other apartments and then he left. Anyways, I reported it to my building manager and she said that there aren't any apartments that are being shown in this building. So I'm even more sketched out because I'm like, okay, this guy, one, he either was like super lost and was in the wrong building or the other possible thing, which is totally possible for LA is that this like sketchy dude came into my apartment building, was going around to different doors, seeing which apartment he can get into and just being fucking shady. And honestly, like, it sounds like that's what it was. Um, I'm just, I mean, I feel like I'm such a careless, like carefree person. Um, and I guess that can be sometimes reckless in the case of like not being the best at locking my door. And I really learned today how important that is. And you better believe like I will never fucking leave or even be in my apartment without the door locked. Like that will never happen again. I'm just all, I'm all looking at it right now, like making sure it's locked. 
Uh, so yeah, just I'm gonna be a little paranoid for the next few days, which will be great. Can't wait for like an excellent few nights of sleep. But with that being said, I would love to jump into the episode today because it's really exciting. And I've said this before on the show, but I started two women's social clubs based in San Diego and Los Angeles. Angeles, Los Angeles last year. The San Diego one, I started May of 2022 last year. And then the LA one I started in June of 2022. So just a few months apart, but they are both walk clubs. I am just kind of like blown away at how quickly they scaled. Going into like that whole story, I think might be a little exhausting. I would rather just start from the beginning and kind of give a run through of those first stages of what it took to like actually build the club logistically. To be honest, like I think this is going to be a two, three parter episode. So we'll just see what we can get through and we'll make the most of it. But basically, if you don't know the whole backstory, I went to the original City Girls Who Walk um, event in New York City when it had first started. And if you don't know, City Girls Who Walk on Instagram is what started this whole trend of like walking clubs popping up all over the US. I was living in New York City for a little bit, went to the club, made some made some really great friends, and then had, sadly had to leave pretty soon after. And I decided to start my own clubs in Southern California because I'm from San Diego. I know it really well. I go there all the time. And then I work in LA. So I'm here all the time as well. Because I do split my time pretty evenly between the two cities, I decided, okay, like it would make sense for me to just start clubs in both. And like, who knows what would come of that, right? I'm trying to, clearly I was spreading myself a little thin, but it was a task that I decided to take on. And I'm really glad I did. So what are the first few months, the first six months, what are the first six months of running the clubs look like? Okay, so for me, I knew that starting a community from scratch was going to require like some consistency. And so this was obviously a huge commitment on my end because I'm not going to lie. Like the first six months, I didn't see my friends at all. Um, my boyfriend and our, my boyfriend and I's time was extremely limited. And then obviously I didn't get to see my family as much because I was just constantly like driving back and forth and doing events. Um, when I wasn't working truthfully like I think as much of a sacrifice as it was those first six months that's really what gave me a strong foundation to be able to shy away from such a rigid schedule after that six month mark and be able to almost like crowdsource a lot of the events right because like I don't even run a lot of the events anymore it's more like a community effort and I think that's great because it allows more interaction and engagement from people when I'm not there and I think it's just great to like not have all these people relying on you and you also get like tons of different people's skill set and ideas and I think that's such a beautiful thing but really those first six months be ready to like put on a lot of time, a lot of effort. I would say if you're having like personal issues in your life or you have like big things going on, like a new job, I would postpone starting a club because you really want to make sure you've got time set aside that's right. Okay, now to be a little bit more specific. So when I first started my clubs, uh, there were four platforms that I knew I was going to use for sure. And it was in this uh, order of like priority. First, it was Instagram. Then it was TikTok, then it was Facebook groups, and then it was Eventbrite. So Instagram is obviously like the main platform I was using. And this is because millennials are really big users of Instagram. And for me, I knew my target audience was going to be millennials because I am a millennial. And so that's who I could relate to the most. 
TikTok was to get the younger crowd because TikTok has a lot of Gen Z users. And so I wanted to make sure I was on there. I wouldn't say TikTok is necessarily as big of a priority now because of the whole legislation going on. But in the beginning, it definitely was. And Facebook groups was then third because Facebook groups just draws in a lot of a lot more people that are over the age of 35 and then eventbrite is just another way to get um a lot of like transplants who had just moved to the city and again it just extends your reach so i would say starting a social club i would incorporate those four platforms from the beginning and basically what that means is you just want to post all of your event information all of your content anything relating to your clubs on those four platforms and it's not a huge deal if you don't like post everything on every single one but just make sure instagram has like all of your information and then make sure facebook tiktok and eventbrite have like most of your information i would say but those are really the four big ones that you want to focus on okay so next we're going to talk about social media and engagement tools so coming from a really strong social media background i knew that since i was using these four like big platforms Um, there was going to be one tool that I wanted to use specifically that would help me streamline the process of posting content. The best tool, and I would recommend this if you have a little extra money to spare, but the best tool is Hootsuite. This is actually used by a lot of social media marketing agencies. And essentially this just allows you to post all of your content at once by uploading it once on Hootsuite. It basically has tons of tools like analytics, um, I think it's got like some advertising tools on there. But the reason I used Hootsuite was because I wouldn't have to log into Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Eventbrite and post the same thing over and over again. I could just go on Hootsuite, post it once, and it would um, go on every single platform at the same time. And so that made posting really swear I have to keep on restarting this show because people keep on knocking on my door. I'm like dying. I cannot wait to own a house one day, guys. I'm dying living in apartments. Um, but okay. So what was I saying? So Hootsuite is a really great tool. It does cost a lot of money. I can't remember how much it is. I think it's $50 a month, but if you have the extra change to spare and you want to save time, I would really do that. And honestly, in my perspective, I think the smartest thing you can do is use money to save time because I really do think time is like the most valuable thing that we have in our lives. Next, I want to talk about group chats because Um, If you look at a lot of social clubs, especially recent ones or recently formed ones and mine, you'll notice that a lot of us use group chats so that the community members can talk to each other in our clubs. This has been a game changer, again, for engagement. It really just allows people in your community to get comfortable with each other, especially before events. It's just really nice to know like who's going, what they're wearing, yada, yada. Like Women just like to talk to each other before they see each other. Like They want to know that they have a friend that they can meet up with. Um, It takes away some of that anxiety but I will say that this having a group chat isn't something that you need right off the bat I would actually wait probably six months before you launch it for your community because otherwise it's going to go stale I've seen this happen a lot um it happened with my San Diego club and that's why my San Diego club honestly isn't if you look at our group chat it's just like not that active but if you look at my LA city group chat it is popping like I can barely keep track of what's going on in there and so I highly recommend launching that group chat once you've already got strong engagement and really like building up the momentum to its launch you want people to look forward to it you want to like have people marking their calendars you want to put reminders 
don't do a soft launch with the group chat. And as far as like tools for what to use for your group chat, I personally use Discord and I think I'm going to stick with it for a while. Um, Discord, I'm not going to lie, like it doesn't have the best looking interface. It's not really user friendly. And I actually have a girl in LA that helps me with all of like the bots and the programming. And I, I, I don't even have, I don't even know how to like do half the things on there. So if you have somebody that's like super knowledgeable at Discord, that would be great. And the reason why I want to stick with it despite all of the challenges is because Discord, it does have a great reputation for being able to sustain really large communities. And even though there are other apps that, you know, look a lot better and say that they can do the same thing, there's just a lot of bugs. I think that Discord has really strong programming and developers behind it, and I'm just too scared to try anything else. But what I have heard some of the larger clubs using is Geneva. Um, again, it's just like a better looking version of Discord. I don't know if I feel comfortable making that transition, and I, I have to do like a poll or something with my community to see if they would be interested in even shifting over to Geneva, but I just want to see how it works with those larger communities. I'm not really sure if there are bugs or if there's going to be like a capacity, a capacity issue, but personally, it's just something I would rather um, speculate a little bit longer before... I want to make a transition, but as of now, Discord is our main platform for our group chat. And again, six months after starting your community is a really good time to hard launch that. Now, this is my little secret sauce. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it's kind of like gambling, honestly, but I know how to do Facebook ads. It's something I've invested a lot of my time into learning. And over the pandemic, um, it's something that I kind of made a passion project into figuring out how to optimize. Facebook ads have been a really great tool for me to draw a lot of attention to our posts. But like I said, it can kind of be a gamble depending on what information you have. And that means like I might, th I might throw like $10 into a Facebook ad and get you know thousands of views from that on one post and then do the exact same thing with the exact same targeting, the exact same age group on a very similar post and only get like a few hundred likes or a few hundred engagements. And it's, it's really unpredictable. And the thing is, is like no matter what, if you use a Facebook ad, it's going to increase your visibility for sure but you can never measure how great that visibility is going to be or how much engagement you're going to get. And so that's why it's a gamble and they are really expensive. So I would, again, I would not recommend this if you do not have extra change to spare. Honestly, like there's a lot of money that I've spent on Facebook ads in the last year that I really regret because I don't think it helped out that much. I will say, I think it's smarter to use Facebook ads on reels than on posts. That's just something I've noticed works a lot better in the last year. So again, if you have the energy and time to spare on learning that and figuring that out, just be smart with it. Don't don't spend your money on that. And I mean, at this point, I'm really trying to like not use Facebook ads at all. So I haven't used one in a couple of months and things have been going fine. So I think I'm actually retired from Facebook ads at this point in my life. Okay, so now is the fun part. After you've got all of your commitments lined up, all of your tools set, right? You've got your social media tools. You've got your platforms. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook groups, TikTok, Eventbrite. 
and you're using those engagement tools. Whichever of those you decide to use, you've decided what works for you and you are now ready to start planning events. This is where it gets really fun, but it can also be quite a disaster. Um, While I've had my fair share of really fun, massive, like extremely exciting events, I've also had a couple that have flopped due to like me just not planning them well. I think if you guys listen to this and you haven't planned an event yet, it's going to be really helpful. So I would pay attention very closely. Now here's the thing. So the first thing you want to do once you figure out your date, time, and location you want to have your event You want to go on the city website of wherever you're located or wherever your location is at, and you want to make sure there aren't any city events going on. Because if you think about it, a lot of parks and a lot of popular city communal areas, those areas are exactly the type of places that events for the community are put on very often. There's a lot of times like street fairs going on. Um, It's just really important that you check your city's like calendar for that area to make sure that there isn't anything going on. I actually was having a walk um, in Liberty Station, which is just a really popular area for pedestrians in San Diego. And I didn't find out until like three hours before the event that there was like this massive fair going on around our meeting spot that you needed tickets to get into. So you can imagine like three hours before the event, I just find this out. I'm like freaking out. I'm posting on all of their Instagrams, making like a Discord announcement saying that the meeting spot has changed. And luckily everything worked out. But if I hadn't like been told by one of our walk members that that was going on, I would have just gone to the spot at 10 a.m., which is when I usually host my events, and I wouldn't have been able to get there because it was closed off. So what I learned from that experience is that you really need to check your city calendars because once I had done that, I had saw on the online website, I had saw on their website that there was an event going on. If I had just checked this beforehand, it would have been a really easy mistake to avoid. The first thing you want to do before you plan an event is you want to make sure that the spot you have is not, it does not have any events going on at the time and date that you're planning to do it. All right, next is the absolute worst thing to talk about, permits. I I feel honestly exhausted anytime I hear the word permits. It's It's just not fun to deal with. It's annoying to get a request through. It costs money and... Basically, anytime you expect like a really massive turnout, it's always a good idea to get a permit because you can get in trouble if you're hosting a super large event. It really just depends where in your city you're having this event. It can be um, anywhere between like a 50 person capacity that you might need to get a permit to like 150. Anytime there's a large gathering in a city owned area, there is probably going to be some sort of permit requirement. So I would look into that too. You can risk it. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I've just, I've just like winged it several times and it's worked out for me. But as our club continues to grow, I, it's just a risk that I'm willing to take less and less recently i've just started getting permits and it's kind of like that safety net that you need to feel good that your event won't get interrupted okay now lastly parking i think is probably one of the most important things about planning an event you want to make sure that there's adequate parking nearby This is especially difficult in Los Angeles. I don't know if this is like the same for all other cities, but at least in LA, there is just like this massive parking issue anywhere you go. It really limits the areas that you can host these large events. And it doesn't just limit like the areas that you can host these events, but it also limits the amount of people that are like willing to show up because everyone in LA knows like where it's difficult to park. So if you have an event in like the middle of Beverly Hills, you're probably not gonna have that big of a turnout if 
you're trying to like gather people from all over LA because people just don't want to drive somewhere where they're gonna have to look for parking for like 30 minutes. And then also the reason why parking is super important is I actually had a walk event at this really um, well-known lake in San Diego. And from what I remembered, like there was a ton of parking there, but I didn't realize the day I was having my event, there was just like a ton of people out riding their bikes. And I guess it makes sense now looking back, like, of course, it's Saturday on a 10 a.m. There was a ton of people at this park, like, or at this lake, just like riding their bikes and stuff and being active. So I don't know what my thought process was, but like when I had been there a few years prior, whatever time I was there at when I was like younger, it was definitely not crowded. So um, I would scout a couple of weeks prior, like the same time and place and day that you're planning to have that event, but just like a couple weeks before to like see what it's like, you know, is there a lot of parking available? Does it fill up? Get a sense of like what the capacity might be able to hold for people who are driving there and make sure it aligns with how many people you expect to go to your event. But anyways, what I was gonna say earlier was that I had a walk at this lake and I think like 60 people ended up showing up, but like 40 could only, only like 40 could park and the rest just went home because there just like wasn't enough. It was really sad. Okay, so the last part of this episode that I wanna touch on is how to engage with your community and the importance of being active on social media. Starting with engaging with your community, I think this was something that, I mean, it's obvious, like if you have a social club, you should really like be socializing at it. But honestly, I'm not gonna lie, Guys, like I'm a very introverted person naturally. I started these clubs because it wasn't just a way that I made friends when I was living in New York City, but it really got me out of my comfort zone. And running them has truly been like this huge personal development project that I've taken on. Um, for those of you who have met me, you would know probably very quickly. I'm like, I'm like a TMI person. I definitely overshare what's on my mind and all of my issues and I hate it, but you probably have heard me say like, I get a lot of anxiety at my events and that's true. Like I, I get very anxious at them still, even though I've done them for like almost a year now. And the engaging with my community aspect of running the club, it wasn't something that came naturally to me. So what does this look like, right? Well, this just means that you're showing up early to your events and you're staying longer after they end. You're engaging with people. Um, when new people are showing up, especially, there's always gonna be a few that just like look a little out of place, that aren't comfortable. They're obviously there alone for the first time. And you really wanna gravitate towards those ones. That's how you're gonna get people to really open up and know your community as the one that they can feel safe. Now for me, as someone who's naturally introverted, you better believe like the first few times at my events, I was actually staying in my car like all the way up until the minute before it started. And then I was out of there, out of there the second that it ended. And that's just because I was honestly uncomfortable in the setting. I wanted to stay, I wanted to interact, but it just wasn't something that I understood to be such an important part of its growth and engagement and once I started once I decided to like push myself out of my comfort zone and start putting in that extra work I did notice that there was much better retention with people coming back to events uh, versus before which I felt like there was just constantly new people filtering in and there was never like familiar faces that's when you know you're building a really solid community when you start to see repeat members showing up to events because they're coming back because they had a good time the time before for me that's when I know that like I've reached a certain level of success and like the more familiar faces I see each time the more I know like I'm doing a good job and the more I feel reassured 
So I don't know how much of an issue this is going to be. I feel like if you're starting this social club, you're probably someone extroverted who's like looking forward to it. But for those of you who are introverted and are just taking on like a completely new task that's outside of your comfort zone, that is something that I wanted to highlight is very important. Last thing I want to talk about is posting on social media. So I actually am not really good at this still. Like you'll notice on the accounts for the walk clubs that I don't really post on there very consistently. Um, I've tried to take on this new like influencer strategy where I post more of my like point of view, daily life content, um, just to be more engaged with those accounts. But I'm honestly just like not a good influencer and I haven't been doing it consistently. But the times that I have done it, like these last couple of weeks, I've been super active posting polls and like asking questions, posting like really interactive content and just like a lot of stories. I've noticed that there's also been an increase of engagement on all of my reels and all of my like followers. I've been getting a ton of more followers now. Um, and I really do think it's directly correlated to that increase in and story activity that I've been posting. But again, that needs to be like a daily habit that you do. And for those of us who, again, like are not natural born and bred influencers who feel like cringy when they're doing a selfie or posting a story or just doing anything that resembles an influencer, like I know it's so uncomfortable to do, but truly like it will get you ahead in your club and people like to know what you're up to. They're curious, especially if you're like the leader of the club, they want to know what your day-to-day life looks like. I also think it's kind of ridiculous too that I'm feeling like any type of embarrassment from that when I live in LA and it's it's literally the city of influencers. I can go and drive to my workout class and I swear I see like five influencers on the street filming content. So it is such a like natural thing here and if there's anywhere that I should feel comfortable filming influencer content, it's right here in LA. So we talked about a lot here, right? We covered four main topics. The first was determining what commitment you're able to make for those six months that you really need to have a rigid schedule. Then we talked about social media and engagement tools. We talked about Hootsuite, different group chat apps, Facebook ads. Third, we talked about planning the actual events, permits, routing, uh, parking. And then fourth, we talked about engaging and growing your community and using social media to really leverage your visibility. And this is where I want to end the episode because after you reach this point in your club, it starts to get really advanced. And that's the stage that I think my clubs are in now where we're really trying to be a lot more strategic. Um, My focus at this point is building my team. Having a really strong and engaged team of volunteers is honestly something that I've struggled with. It's not where it should be. And honestly, like that's my fault. I'm just not... A natural born leader and I know what I need to do to improve on that but it's more of like a discipline thing that I just haven't put those thoughts and ideas into action so it's something I'm working on it's something that I know I need to get better at and I in a dream world you know I'm gonna have a really engaged team that that I feel I'm really close friends with as well so it's definitely something I want to talk about in the next episode I'm also going to talk about partnerships I think a really great thing when you get your club to a certain member count or follower count is that you get a whole new set of opportunities with partnerships and collabs. Um, But one thing is that you can either get taken advantage of in those situations or you can make the most of it. And I think 
that again, that's like a whole other segment I want to cover because for the first, I would say like three to four partnerships I did, I look back and I'm like, I definitely got taken advantage of. I did way too much free work. And now that I've learned a lot more about how to manage those and how to really get the most out of them, I think that's really great advice I can share as well. But with that being said, guys, I am so freaking exhausted. I did two episodes today. Um, I definitely learned my lesson that I will never pro... Guys, it's like not even a joke at this point. I've had to stop recording this podcast like four times since I started. There are just people knocking at my door like left and right. We've got the FedEx guy. We've got the new guy that just moved in. I do not know what's going on, but like I think everyone wants to talk to me today. So I've got to end this episode. Um, But I'm really excited. Next week we'll talk about just building your team of volunteers, some struggles I faced with that and those partnerships. And that's where I'm going to end things. I'm exhausted. Hope it's not obvious that I'm in a rush here, but thank you so much for listening and love you all.